you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hi, I'm Sean from Dallas, Texas. As a constant listener of your tremendous and amazing YouTube channel, a few questions cause a stir in me and wanting me to ask you. Do you despise religion in general? Are you against any and all organized religion? What about the followers of the faith? All of these I've been wanting to ask and have you answer. Thank you and continue your excellent work. I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't despise any religious person. I don't hate any followers of religion at all. Even cult members who are like really brainwashed and, and really, really destructive forces in the world. I don't hate them even. I feel for them and wish I could find some way to get them out of that mindset. Ultimately, I think that they are victims of the cult, victims of the extremist ideology. And that's how they got to where they are. So no, I don't hate any adherence of religion. But your second part to the question was, do I hate religion? I don't think that religion has any valid usefulness in society. Everything that religion purports to do for people can be achieved by other means. You want charitable contributions, you want you know, donations set up to help the homeless or the poor or whatever. You don't need religion for that shit. You can get that stuff outside of it. But religion does provide damaging and dangerous um, ideas and philosophies and beliefs. Anytime society has tried to make progress in any way, religion has always been there behind it doing its best to stop it. Religion was trying to stop the Civil Rights Act. It was trying to stop black people in America from being viewed as equals. It's been against LGBT rights from the beginning. They used the Bible to justify slavery in the 1800s. Religion has always been there causing problems for society. So in my opinion, if not for those reasons, then for this reason alone, it's preferable to believe as few false things as possible. Even for that reason alone, I don't like the fact that religion exists. But I don't hate anybody for anything. I don't hate religious adherence or anything like that. Hey, Owen, this is Jordan. I'm from South Carolina. I've called a few times. Uh few things. First, I just want to congratulate you and your wife on the wedding. That's very awesome. My wife and I actually just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary last month, so kudos to you guys. And a uh, question for you is, do you have any advice for someone who's raising a child in a secular home? Uh, our daughter is about a year and a half old, and I just wanted any advice you have on raising her outside of religion. Thanks, bud. Have a good one. We live in a Christian nation in the U.S., by and large. We live in a Christian society if you live in European countries or, or the U.S. A lot of European countries are not really religious, like the U.K. isn't terribly religious, but it's still heavily Christian in, in many ways. You have to be aware of the fact that the people around you and the people around your kid 
are going to cram it down their throats in subtle ways without you even realizing it. So I would recommend you teach your kid critical thinking skills from a very early age. That's what I tried to do with Kylie. Critical thinking skills and logical thinking. Take them through logical steps and teach them about logical fallacies and things like that so that when they hear something, they automatically start to question it and poke holes in it and try to figure things out. Even going to school, you know, their friends in school are going to try to cram religion down their throats to some degree, especially if you live in the U.S. So just make sure they're ready for it when that time comes. That'd be my recommendation. Hey, Owen, this is James from Pittsburgh. I have a question. What percentage of uh, Christians would you say that have read the Bible, uh, and I mean from beginning to end, what percentage would you say they would come out still being Christians? I can't really see the number being extremely high because I'm starting to read this and I saw a lot of red flags. The biggest probably being that with the great flood that you touched upon a few weeks back, Noah was 600 years old when uh, the flood happened, and he lived for 350 more years. Why was life expectancy so much better then, is what I'd like to know. Anyway, that's my question for today. I hope to hear your answer, and you have a wonderful evening and a great week. I appreciate that. I'll give you the answer that my mom gave to me. I asked that question when I was little. How did they grow how did they grow to be so old? Basically, my mom's answer was, "We are so far removed from the sin that took place, Adam and Eve's sin, that we live for a lot less time." They were so close to the source of when it happened. They were supposed to live forever. So as time went on, their lives got shorter and shorter and shorter because they were getting so far away from perfection, basically. In retrospect, that explanation doesn't really make any sense at all, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to make sense of something that's completely nonsensical. You're trying to apply reason and rationality to people who don't have it. You're trying to, you know, poke holes in something, which I encourage, don't get me wrong. I think we should be poking holes like that. It's important to poke those holes, but you can't expect them to recognize when those holes are being poked. Now, as far as people reading the Bible and becoming atheist, I don't think it would be a lot of people, honestly, because in the United States especially, People grew up with a cultural context around Christianity. They've been hearing these stories stated as fact since they were little kids, that Noah lived to be like 600 or whatever, or Methuselah was like 900 and something years old. They have the cultural context where they believed this stuff from the very beginning, like from when they were little kids. So it's not so unbelievable to them. If you took somebody who had never heard of the Bible before and you gave it to them and they read through it and you said, now everything in this book is factual and, and there are no errors in it, people would see right through it instantly. They would re they'd recognize it was complete nonsense from the start. The reason people don't see it as nonsense 
is because they grew up being told that it was real from the start. That's really the problem. Uh, hello, my name is uh, Max, and I live in Kansas. Uh, I just had a question. So I, like, about a week ago, left Christianity after being, like, a Bible literalist. Um, but I was just curious, because I, I left Christianity, but I still like the morals that the New Testament teaches. I was just curious, do you still like the morals that the New Testament teaches? I appreciate that. Um, let me ask you something. Why don't you like the morals that the Old Testament teaches? Is there a reason why? You picked which morals you liked. This isn't the Bible defining which morals you should have. This is you looking at a, a big-ass list of morals and deciding which ones are correct. You didn't need the Bible to tell you which ones were right because the Bible has a list of reprehensible, evil morals in the Old Testament. Pro-slavery and all kinds of other stuff. You and I recognize that's wrong. You looked at the New Testament and recognized some of them were good. You aren't letting the Bible judge your morals. You are judging the Bible's morals. That's the thing. Did the Bible get it correct on a couple of things? Yeah, 100%. It did. The Bible got it correct that you should love your neighbor as yourself and that you shouldn't do any harm to the people around you, that you should have respect for people and all that other stuff. But you don't have to look very far to find the Bible endorsing the exact opposite of those moral values. That's why you picked the New Testament morals to adhere to rather than the Old Testament ones. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Perry Stone seemingly accepting climate change, but saying it doesn't matter because God's going to fix it soon anyways. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is titled, Preacher, We Can Ignore Climate Change Since Jesus Will Soon Fix Everything. This is written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give it a read and see what it has to say. Right-wing pastor Perry Stone, most recently seen on this site trying to sell a lie as a supposed miracle, said on his live stream this morning that Christians don't need to be concerned with climate change because when Jesus returns, everything will be just fine. There's actually a clip that goes along with this, so I wanted to give it a watch and see what this guy had to say. Again, this is Perry Stone. He has a YouTube channel with 600,000 subscribers. 600,000 subscribers. He's not a nobody is the point. And a lot of smaller churches follow him and have followed him for a very long time. Let's check the clip out. In Revelation chapter 20, when Christ comes back to earth and sets up his kingdom, 
He's going to change everything. And there's going to be a thousand years of peace. And so the sons of God, and these are the children of God, these are believers who return with Christ to set up the kingdom for a thousand years. We're going to see a complete change in the earth and that what we call the travail of creation or the travail of the earth will cease when the Messiah returns. So those who criticize believers now for not being, you know, environmentally concerned or whatever, we know how the book ends. We know where this is going. We know how in the end when Messiah comes back. Look, folks, can I say something? Okay, so this guy likes to do lots of run-on sentences. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. There's, there's no period in any of the sentences that he just said. He just jumped from one word to the next word to the next word and then just kind of fucking strung them all together in a giant run-on fucking paragraph. So uh, let me just pause right in the middle of one of this one gigantic sentence real quick so we can address what he was saying. From my understanding, it seems to me that the guy is saying we shouldn't worry about climate change even though the Bible says we were given dominion over the earth and the animals, and we should be good stewards of it. He says we should just throw all that shit out because God's going to undo everything anyways and, and put us in a seat of power and, and, you know, rapture us or whatever the holy fuck else God's going to do. So he's saying we shouldn't even worry about taking care of the planet, like the Bible said, because God's just going to undo it all anyways. There's no point. Now... I'm going to try to pick a word in the middle of this single paragraph long run on sentence that he used that gives us enough context to continue the clip. Let's keep listening. As believers now for not being, you know, environmentally concerned or whatever, we know how the book ends. We know where this is going. We know how in the end when Messiah comes back. Look, folks, can I say something to you? Are you guys noticing this one long run on sentence? He literally like every time he takes a breath. He does it in the middle of a sentence, and he doesn't make any pauses between the end of a sentence and the beginning of one. Let's keep listening. In the end, when Messiah comes back, look, folks, can I say something to you and say it in love? It's wonderful to do all that we can to help the planet. But at the same time, if you know what the prophecy says, you know what's coming and you know that real peace, real joy and, and, and everything that men want will only happen with the return of the Messiah. Uh, so basically, the guy's saying we shouldn't give a shit about the planet, even though the Bible specifically says that we should, because Jesus is coming back anyway, so fuck it. People should really be concerned about climate change, seriously. In my opinion, I don't think the world can come together to do what they need to do to solve the climate crisis. I don't think it's going to happen. Either we're going to find a technological breakthrough that will help us escape this climate issue or we're going to face worst case scenario type stuff from the climate one or the other we aren't getting out of this because the world came together to solve a problem it's not happening i guess just hope for the best i don't want to be doomer about things i don't want people to feel like it's hopeless or anything we should still be furious about what's happening right now and put pressure on public figures to try to force them to, you know, these CEOs of the oil companies and, and our elected representatives and things try to force them to do something about the climate crisis and take it more seriously and stuff like that. We absolutely should be doing that. Even if it seems hopeless, we should still be taking part in this. But uh, I think probably our only route out of this situation 
is technological breakthrough. Carbon capture devices or something like that become way more feasible, way more doable, and way more efficient. I, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably our situation. But even worst case scenario, I'll throw a bone to the, to the doomers. Even worst case scenario, I don't think that it's going to end civilization. Humans will continue to exist on the planet pretty much no matter what. Until the star goes supernova, probably. Humans are so fucking resilient. So in my opinion, I, I, I think that doomerism, climate doomerism, is unjustified. We're going to face some hard times ahead, and we should buckle in for it and do our absolute best to solve the problems. But I think that we can probably expect a pretty rough future either way. Unless we come up with some technological breakthrough to solve our way out of this. Anyways, let's keep reading this article and see what Hemant Mehta had to say. This is a response to what Perry Stone said in the clip just now. This belief that we can ignore society's biggest problems because we believe a myth that guarantees future happiness is really the worst form of nihilism. They're willing to let problems fester, putting all of our lives at risk because they buy into a lie. They're culturally in a bubble but realistically part of society, which means their ignorance affects all of us. It's the same sort of broken brain mentality that says there's no need to get vaccinated or wear masks during a pandemic because God's got this all figured out. Anytime people say that shit to me, I always find myself thinking the same thing over and over again. There is no God, and you can't expect him to dig you out of this mess that you've made for yourself. Here we are. Let's work to solve this problem together. If there is a God, he gave us brains, miraculous, incredible brains, to solve problems. Now let's come together and solve this problem. God helps those who help themselves, right? These people don't give a shit about that. They don't even think about that. They want to pawn the blame off onto somebody else and give the, all the credit to God. Back to the article. The worst thing is that this isn't a fringe belief among conservative Christians. Pastor John MacArthur of California's Grace Community Church once said in a lecture denying climate science, quote, God intended us to use this planet, to fill this planet for the benefit of man. Never was it intended to be a permanent planet. It's a disposable planet. Christians ought to know that. That's fucking disturbing. And actually, I, I agree with Hemant Mehta here. It is a really common belief. I mean, these are two megachurch pastors that we've just been addressing here, but this is a common belief among a lot of Christianity. The fact that the, the planet, we're here to use up the planet and throw it out. What do these people think we're going to do afterward? Like, where are we going to live when it's completely fucking destroyed? Doesn't matter. Armageddon is happening any five minutes now, so it's irrelevant, right? Let's read the article again. This is Hemant Mehta. Right-wing activist Mary Colbert once said climate change wasn't heating the planet. It was our sins. Creationist Ken Ham said the only kind of climate change we needed to worry about was going to hell. Abusive pastor Mark Driscoll once said at a Christian conference, I know who made the environment and he's coming back and going to burn it all up. So yes, I drive an SUV. Driving an SUV isn't a great thing for the environment, but I would really like to see giant oil companies and massive coal companies and other countries, China and others, take responsibility and do things a little bit cleaner and better. I don't think me driving an SUV is going to have as much of an impact 
but little things add up to big things. So I'm glad that I take the train everywhere now instead of driving anywhere. It would be fantastic if we didn't drive SUVs at all, didn't burn up extra gas. But ultimately, I think the responsibility heavily falls on giant coal CEOs and oil company CEOs. Back to Hemant Mehta. And of course, there are all the elected Republicans who say things like, God will fix the environment without man's intervention, because if there's a real problem, he can take care of it. Or that we should stop paying attention to environmental concerns altogether, because God promised not to destroy the world again. I don't know how to grapple with this problem, that Christians live in a completely separate reality with a, a separate set of premises to their life. Everything about the way they live their lives and believe is different from the ground up. And coming together to find solutions to problems sometimes with like the evangelical voting block is impossible because half of the shit that are real genuine problems, like climate change, for example, they don't even accept as problems in the first place. What do you do when the other side is only interested in destroying you, is only interested in the us versus them mentality and the ends justify the means mentality that they have? What do you do? It's difficult to grapple with, but hopefully we'll find a solution at some point. Like I said, I hope we find a technological solution to this. I hope scientists find a technological solution to this problem because we're sure as hell not gonna get out of this situation with the help of evangelicals. Next, we're gonna talk about the source of the reptile elite conspiracy and the 5G conspiracy leading to people getting hurt. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled Santa Barbara Man Who Believed in QAnon Confessed to Killing His Two Kids Over Serpent DNA, according to the FBI. So it's on this local news website, KTLA5. Let's give the article a read and see what it says. A California surfing school owner was charged Wednesday with killing his two young children with a spear gun in Mexico because he believed they would become monsters, authorities said. Matthew Taylor Coleman, 40, of Santa Barbara, is facing a federal charge of the foreign murder of U.S. nationals, the U.S. Attorney's Office said in a statement. It wasn't immediately clear whether he had an attorney to speak for him. Coleman confessed to the FBI during an interview that he took his two-year-old son and 10-month-old daughter to Rosarito, Mexico, where he shot a spear fishing gun into their chests, according to an affidavit filed by an FBI agent with a criminal complaint. Coleman said that he believed his children were going to grow into monsters, so he had to kill them, according to the court document. A farm worker found the children's bodies on Monday at at a ranch near Rosarito in Baja, California, authorities there have said. Holy shit. What do we do with this group of people who is so disconnected from the world around them that they believe that their children have serpent DNA 
passed down from the mother. Like, what the fuck is going on in this guy's head? He's a member of QAnon. And you know the sad part about all of this? That's not even the strangest belief that the guy had. If he was QAnon, he had all kinds of other weird beliefs. And I'd be willing to bet he was pretty hardcore QAnon too. Not just a lightweight, because he was willing to kill his own children for the belief system. It doesn't get much more hardcore than that. That's fucking sad. We have a problem in the United States. Back to the article. Coleman and the children had checked into a Rosarito hotel on Saturday, but video footage showed them leaving before dawn on Monday, Mexican authorities, Mexican authorities said. The men returned alone later that morning and then left the hotel for good, authorities said. I didn't know that um, U.S. authorities and Mexican authorities worked so closely together and so well. I figured there would be a jurisdictional hang-up where it would make it harder for them to discover what happened. That guy probably thought so, too. That's why he went to Mexico to do it. Boy, was he wrong. It's a goddamn shame that he managed to do what he did before he could be stopped. Coleman's wife reported to Santa Barbara police on Saturday that her husband had left with the children in the family's van. She didn't know where they were going, and he hadn't answered her text messages. Coleman's wife said she didn't believe the children were in any danger, that she hadn't had any problems with Coleman, and that they didn't have any sort of argument before he left, according to the court affidavit. An iPhone finding application placed Coleman's phone in Rosarito on Sunday, and on Monday, it was traced to an area of Mexico near the San Ysidro port, San Ysidro port, I feel like I got that wrong, of entry in San Diego, according to the affidavit. Coleman was detained at the border checkpoint, where during an interview with an FBI agent, he explained that he was enlightened by QAnon, and Illuminati conspiracy theories, and was receiving visions and signs revealing that his wife, AC, possessed serpent DNA and had passed it on to his children, according to the affidavit. Coleman is the founder of the Love Water Surfing School in Santa Barbara. Wow, the founder of a surfing school. Um, some people will look at this and make note of the fact that he said he was receiving visions and signs revealing that his wife possessed serpent DNA and take that as a sign that he has a mental condition like uh, schizophrenia or something. I don't think that that's strong enough evidence to say that he has schizophrenia. I don't know if he does or not. Maybe he does. Who fucking knows? But... Having schizophrenia, if I remember correctly, requires at least three visual or auditory hallucinations per month. It's been a while since I've looked this up. I should probably check. Hang on. They may diagnose schizophrenia if a person has at least two of the following symptoms for a significant amount of time, usually over one month. Delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, very disorganized or catatonic behavior, negative symptoms such as reduced emotional expression. So it's at least two delusions or hallucinations or whatever else. The problem is I can't call it for this guy because I honestly hear this exact kind of shit coming from religious nutter butters all the time. This guy said he was enlightened by the QAnon and Illuminati conspiracies and he's receiving visions and signs. How many evangelical pastors do you hear telling you they received a vision from God. They received a sign from God. It's fucking constant. They're not all 
schizophrenics. There is something else going on here. They've convinced themselves that they have this special connection to something or somebody that gives them special, unique privilege and information. In this guy's case, I don't know if he's schizophrenic or, or has some other mental condition or not. I don't know. But I'm not going to assume that he does based on this visions and signs bit right here. I think he could just be a conspiracy theorist so far. But here's the real question. Where the fuck did this serpent DNA thing even come from? How did this start? Do you guys remember a while back I covered this video clip of this pastor here, Robin Bullock. He was talking about Obama, right? This guy was saying he's watching Joe Biden speak on TV one day. By the way, this is one of the people who claimed that God told him that Trump was going to win the election, gave him special knowledge that Trump was going to win the election. And then when he didn't, he claimed that Biden was fighting God. He was in a, a like an epic battle with God to take the presidency from him. And, and Joe Biden seems to have succeeded. Watch this clip. It's one of the moments I took a picture with my phone right on television. Yes. Okay, it's up there. Now look at the eyes. If you look at the eyes, you'll notice there's serpent's pupils. Is this guy telling us that Biden is a reptile? Is that what he's trying to communicate here? Let's keep listening. They're serpent's pupils. They're slotted pupils. Now, other times they're not like that. But at time, it shows a slotted serpent's eye. People say, oh, that was Photoshop. No, it wasn't either. I took the picture. Well, I, I mean, I have to say, this picture that's on screen, I don't know, the audio audience, they can't see it, of course, but, um, you know, this kind of thing happens all the time with the lighting and things like that. I mean, you can't get lighting exactly right. It comes as absolutely no surprise to me that, you know, this picture just looks really, really strange. Having been taken from a phone of a TV. It's already low res in the first fucking place. Okay, so where did this conspiracy theory come from? That there are like reptilian elites that like control the world and shit like that. This conspiracy actually came from somebody named David Icke. Now, from what I understand, David Icke didn't actually come up with the conspiracy himself. He just really tried to blow it up and make it big and was really successful. David Icke, I believe, is a soccer player in... Uh, Europe, I think in the UK. Let's read this article. This is by Time. The article's title is The Reptilian Elite, Separating Fact from Fiction. They're among us. Blood-drinking, flesh-eating, shape-shifting, extraterrestrial reptilian humanoids with only one objective in their cold-blooded little heads, to enslave the human race. There are leaders, our corporate executives, our beloved Oscar-winning actors and Grammy-winning singers, and they're responsible for the Holocaust, the Oklahoma City bombings, and the 9-11 attacks, at least according to former BBC sports reporter David Icke, who became the poster human for the theory in 1998 after publishing his first book, The Biggest Secret, which contains interviews with two Brits who claimed members of the royal family are nothing more than reptiles with crowns. The conspiracy theorist and New Age philosopher who wore only turquoise for a time and insisted on being called Son of Godhead says these 
Anunnaki, the reptiles, have controlled humankind since ancient times. They count among their number Queen Elizabeth, George W. Bush, Henry Kissinger, Bill and Hillary Clinton, and Bob Hope. Encroaching on their on other conspiracy theorist territory, Ike even claims that the lizards are behind secret societies like the Freemasons and the Illuminati. This is like original conspiracy theory shit. Like I remember hearing about this stuff when I was a kid and thinking how completely outrageous it was. Since earning the dubious title of Paranoid of the Decade in the late 90s, Ike has written several books on the topic, including his latest work, The David Ike Guide to the Global Conspiracy, while operating his own website, complete with merchandise and advertisements. David Ike is fucking huge and really well known in the conspiracy realm. He is famous for spreading these ideas, these conspiracy theories, right? And he has been for a long time. I suspect that's the source of this serpent DNA thing. I suspect that David Icke's conspiracy about reptilian elites is the source of this. This, this QAnon conspiracy that forced this guy to take out his kids. But it doesn't stop there. There's more to this. There's this article called Twitter Permanently Suspends Conspiracy Theorist David Icke's Account. This is written by The Guardian. Guy was in the news again fairly recently, David Icke was, for a bizarre reason. Let's give this article a read. Twitter has permanently suspended the account of the conspiracy theorist David Icke. A spokesman for the social media platform said David Icke had violated its rules regarding coronavirus misinformation. Oh shit, this guy's dipping his toes in the old coronavirus misinformation territory, is he? I wonder what it was this guy came up with. The move follows the decision by YouTube and Facebook to terminate Ike's accounts in early May for the same reason. The former footballer, which I believe is a soccer player uh, in Europe, 68, has made controversial, unproven claims about the virus on several internet platforms, including a discredited theory that is linked to the rollout of the 5G mobile network. I don't know if, again, uh, some of this guy's ideas are not original to him. He kind of borrowed some of the conspiracies and just made him famous. Like it says here, he's a famous soccer player, I believe, from the UK. And his position as a soccer player from the UK, pretty famous, has allowed him to spread this shit far and wide. Famous medics, including Dr. Christian Jessen and former junior doctor... Adam K have called on social networks to remove Ike from their platforms. They're backed by the Center for Countering Digital Hate, CCDH, which claims his conspiracies over COVID-19 have been viewed more than 30 million times. CCDH had called for Twitter and Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, to permanently ban Ike and his content from their platforms. The Countdown presenter, Rachel Riley, celebrated Ike's departure from the popular website, tweeting, the UK's foremost hate peddler and conspiracy grifter has finally been chucked off Twitter. I love how often people from the UK use the word chucked. I feel like it's an underused word, although I guess yeet is kind of replacing the word chucked now, right? I don't know which one's more popular right now. We could probably check the Google searches for each and find out. Ike's Instagram page, which has 212,000 followers, my God, that's fucking gigantic, is still active and posted video on the weekend of him telling a large crowd in Birmingham to choose freedom. The video has been viewed 
more than 85,000 times. That's fucking sad. Of course, Instagram, I believe, is currently owned by Facebook. I find it odd that Facebook decided to kick his ass off, but Instagram didn't. I'm not really sure why. I would love to see David Icke kicked off of Instagram, too. He is a genuinely harmful node of disinformation. The world would be a better place if he didn't have his platforms. This guy, David Icke, has been peddling his conspiracies since the 90s, and here we are, 2021. This guy picked up on it, believed it, and was willing to kill his two kids over it. This guy is convincing people that the elites have serpent DNA and serpent eyes and serpent everything, and they're evil, and they're like aliens or demons or something like that. And here we are, 2021, a guy takes out his kids because they have serpent DNA. David Icke's whole bit, I, I feel comfortable saying that was stochastic terrorism, or at least contributed to it to some degree. Next, we're going to talk about the Genesis 2 bleach church leader still peddling his fake miracle cure from his Colombian prison cell. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, While Sitting in Jail, Head of the Bleach Church Continues to Spread COVID Lies. This is written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, and it's about a guy named Mark Grennan. Now, I've talked about Mark Grennan, the leader of the Genesis 2 church before, but it's been a while. I think I feel comfortable calling it a cult, but it's not actually really a religion. This guy openly said, publicly, he only classified it as a religion for tax purposes. That's it. So he didn't have to pay taxes on his profits and all of that other stuff. Let's give this article a read and see what it has to say. Over the past year, we've posted multiple times about the Florida-based Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing, which basically sells bleach as a cure for everything. In May of 2020, the group's Australian chapter was slapped with a $150,000 fine for selling and promoting a solution containing sodium chloride, a chemical used as a textile bleaching agent and disinfectant. The family behind it was indicted for fraud and criminal contempt earlier this year. And here's a little added information for you that the article didn't tell you. You guys remember when Donald Trump was up there saying that bleach might cure the virus that you know injecting it or injecting sunlight or something like that could solve the problem interestingly enough in the months leading up to him making that statement mark grennan this guy right here leader of the genesis 2 bleach church was in communication with the white house he's sending them letters and samples of his miracle cure isn't that interesting this guy is sending stuff to donald trump about how bleach cures the virus, and within a month, Donald Trump says, maybe we should try injecting bleach. I mean, we have no way of knowing if the two things are connected exactly, 
but it's a it's suspect it's circumstantial at least let's keep reading the group's leader mark grennan admitted in the past that he didn't run a church at all that designation only existed to avoid government oversight whatever it was though it had an audience which meant it could cause a lot of damage last august the u.s FDA issued a warning against using the products because they were deemed life-threatening. And last July, government officials raided the church, quote-unquote, headquarters in Bradenton, Florida, and confiscated everything inside, including 22 gallons of Miracle Mineral Solution, MMS, which is the bleach that he sells, basically, 8,300 pounds of sodium chloride, and 50 gallons of muriatic acid. All of that was destroyed per a court order. Muriatic acid is... Let me make sure I get this right. It's used in meth production. I believe it... Yeah, it's hydrochloric acid is what it is. I was pretty confident of that. Muriatic acid is hydrochloric acid. It's used in meth production, and it's also an acid used to clean concrete driveways. The fact that he's selling this shit for human consumption is so far out there. I don't even know what to say or do about this. I'm just glad the government is actually on our side in this one case against a church. What the fuck? I saw some numbers a while back that suggested that he's sold a million dollars worth of product, give or take, about a million dollars worth. I think his profit margin is probably pretty low, so I would say he probably hasn't he doesn't have a million dollars, I'd venture to guess. But even making 15% profits on it, I mean, he's one of the employees manufacturing this stuff, so it's probably a little bit higher. He's probably made three, dollars $400,000 off of this scam. That's fucking disturbing. Let's keep reading. The order also said that the group's website, which sold the products had to be taken offline immediately. Grennan and his sons were eventually charged with conspiracy to defraud, conspiracy to violate the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and criminal contempt. Two of the sons were arrested, and then, in April of this year, the Department of Justice announced that a federal grand jury in Miami had returned an indictment against Grennan and his three sons. As it stands, Grennan is currently in a prison cell in Colombia awaiting extradition to the U.S. to face trial. But according to The Guardian, none of that has stopped Grennan from continuing his grift. Quote, this is a quote from The Guardian. The Guardian has learned that Mark Grennan, who calls himself the Archbishop of the Genesis II Church, is distributing bleach to at least 75 other prisoners in La, La Picota Penitentiary in Bogota where he's being held captive. He's revealed that he's obtaining the product through secret channels and that the chemicals are in plentiful supply in the jail. You can't get it on the outside, but we got it on the inside, he said in a phone call, a recording of which has been heard by The Guardian. He added that more than 75 prisoners were taking the cure, quote-unquote, as a remedy for a range of ailments, including diabetes and gastritis. Dude's in prison for selling this shit to people. And he's still selling it. Talk about a snake oil salesman. This is beyond snake oil. Snake oil implies harmless garbage, like homeopathy. Harmless and useless garbage. This isn't just harmless and useless. This is actively destructive and will kill your ass. Especially if you're telling people it will cure your diabetes. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. Even in jail, he's a threat to the people around him. He's apparently got access to a phone, 
which means he has access to Facebook and Telegram, two outlets he's been using to sell his products and spread harmful medical advice. Quote, despite his incarceration, Grennan remains a powerhouse of medical misinformation. He circulates anti-vaxxer videos attempting to dissuade people from getting vaccinated against COVID. He also continues to encourage parents of young, of young children as young as six who have been infected with COVID to give their kids baths in solution and to make them bleach powder in capsule form as a purported remedy for the illness. My God, this is beyond nutty, beyond dangerous. I'm glad the dude's in prison. Somebody take his fucking cell phone away, really. Children do pretty good, he said in one exchange with a parent of a six-year-old. Give the child two or three drops of every couple of hours. Bleach is in brackets here. I'm guessing he probably said of MMS. The MMS is the term that he uses, Miracle Mineral Solution. And it is the sodium chloride, the the stu- the bleach. That's what it is, basically. This is Hemen Mehta speaking. Can you send a man in jail to jail? When he's eventually brought to trial, let's hope his continued faith-based cruelty is taken into account and he's punished in such a way that no one will be misled because of his greed and corruption. The guy is in Bogota, it said, but I read the original article and the original article said it was in Colombia. Uh, is Bogota in Colombia? Yeah, yeah, Bogota is in Colombia. Okay, I thought so. Colombian jails are just different than U.S. jails, I guess. You'd never get away with having a cell phone in a U.S. jail. And if they found out that you did by, like, you know, you were posting online or something like this guy is, oh, you'd be in so much shit. They'd take that cell phone away and they'd throw you in solitary confinement till the end of fucking time, which is its own set of issues that I don't want to get into right now, but my God, somebody needs to do something about this guy because society has decided this guy's dangerous and needs to be separated from it for everyone's safety. We separate the guy from society and he's continuing his fucking grift. What do you do outside of just taking the guy's cell phone? I hope this leads to more charges for him, seriously. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.